Hello everyone, it's Dr. Sam. I'd like to welcome you to my Eye Clarity Podcast. This is a show that offers cutting edge information on how to improve your vision and overall wellness through holistic methods. I so appreciate you spending part of your day with me. If you have questions, you can send them to hello at drsamburn.com. Now to the latest Eye Clarity episode. Hey everybody, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are. This is Dr. Sam, and I want to welcome you to my iClarity podcast. As part of our summit series, you know, the Health Whole Health Summit is coming up very soon. We've got a few spots left. The dates are January 14th to the 16th, 2022. You can register on my website, uh, on all my social media sites. Anyways, today... We have one of the featured speakers and I love what she is putting out. Her name is Lisa Diamond. And just a little bit bit of backstory about Lisa. She's a speech language pathologist and she's passionate about the impact of communication and supporting healthy relationships. So I wanna bring her on. Uh, Lisa, welcome to the program. How are you today? How's it going? Hi, Sam. Thanks so much for having me, and it's going going really well. Uh, so, you know, I work with a lot of speech-language pathologists uh, in um, the field of autism and ADD, and um, so, but you are, you are kind of a, an amazing uh, practitioner, and I want to introduce you to my community because um, we want to know how you got into this and you know what is your philosophy and perspective because it's 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 really quite unique i i really love what you're you're doing so uh, share with us how you got into this and um you know what what your philosophy is well thank you so much for that feedback um so starting with how i got into this my my original background <clears throat> excuse me is in anthropology and sociology and just being interested in human behavior and human relationships on a bigger scale. And I always maintained this interest in languages. And so after that, I traveled a bit, saw the world and, and you know, explored different cultures. And it was my mom who said, what about speech and language therapy? So sure enough, I looked into that and the nature of the work on a relation, relationship-based um, way of working with people. And it was a perfect way to apply that interest in human relationships with language and communication. So that's how it all started. Yeah, so relationship, th- this is like critical, right? Um, so can you say a little more about how you spotlight relationship in what you're doing with people? Yeah, um, there are so many different ways I could answer that question. And what comes to mind, um, at least for purposes of, of our conversation today, is, you know, language and communication is there's, there's receptive language and expressive language, sort of two sides of the same coin. <clears throat> and 
from a receptive point of view, what we understand, right? How we listen, how we, how we use our talking to listen to other people actually. And so that, so that, um, so that as we're listening, the other person feels seen and heard. That's one part of it. The expressive part, you know, it's, um, everybody is expressing themselves, whether it's a child in the womb, whether it's an infant that's babbling, whether it's um, somebody who's using a device to communicate or eye gaze, or whether it's people using spoken language. We're all expressing ourselves and are we really communicating? And are we really communicating with each other in a social way so that we ourselves feel seen and heard? So this, this way of looking at communication of receptive and expressive language, seeing and hearing the other, seeing and hearing ourselves, um, that ties together. The, the reciprocity of, of that experience supports relationship in a way that, that brings this um, reciprocal dynamic to to the relationship that supports the, the health of the relationship, the nurturing of the, mm -hmm. the relationship and how the relationship can be sustained over time. What is it that makes us wanna to come together again and again and again and, mm -hmm. and keep that relationship going so that we have shared memories, we have shared stories, we can reminisce over time, mm -hmm. whether we're in mm -hmm. um, a classroom group, whether we're in a family mm -hmm. unit, um, and considering the summit that's coming up, the relationships we have with our healthcare providers, you know, they're amongst amongst the relationships that are very important, um, especially when we consider when we consider that that the people who are helping us maintain optimal health, well-being, we want them to be our allies in that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's grossly speaking, that's the that's the foundation for um, how does language fit in to support that and and the development of that Make mm -hmm. sense? oh yeah totally um so thank you for that 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 clarifies it for me and i think for the audience um i just want to say again this is lisa diamond she's a speech language pathologist she's going to be one of our featured speakers in my whole health summit and so i want to uh I don't know whether you can do this, but I know you work one-on-one -on -one with uh, people. So what's your first session like? What, what Are you doing an analysis? Are you just listening? What, what goes into how you figure out how you're gonna help somebody? Oh, I love that question. Uh, I love that question because it, it, it's orienting to the whole path, really. Um, often, when somebody is seeking services, they might be self-referring, they might come because of a parent, they might um, be referred through a teacher, for example. Um, and initially, initially there's an assessment process, right? To figure out what, what, what's our path going to be? What are the goals? What are the intentions? What's our purpose for working together? And informing that is, it's a, there's a very broad way of informing it. Yes, there are standardized tests that are often used because they provide concrete measurements. And um, in some instances that's helpful and useful, um, but more to the point, the context is really important. 
if it's a child in a family, what are the family's goals as well with that child? Um, what's the bigger picture that we're going towards when we're looking at the, the parts of a, a therapeutic plan? And most importantly, is the in my mind, is the dynamic piece of where is an individual starting with the skills that they have and where are they going from session to session? Mm. Like in, within a session, like from beginning to end, how did mm. we achieve that, that um, success? Mm. What did it take to achieve that success? And then from session to session, what are we doing to maintain that? So that's the dynamic part of an assessment mm. where a person is compared to mm. themselves. Um, and in my mind, that's where the most validity is really to, sure. yeah. To, to benchmark progress that way, uh, a starting point and progress that way. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. That, that's wonderful. And when you, when you take on, uh, say, a family or, a, you know, an individual, uh, what, what is the arc of, you know, how long you're going to work with them? What are some of the benchmarks you're using to see if they're making progress? Uh, mm -hmm. How do you, how do you mm -hmm. see that? Mm -hmm. Again, again, it's, there's a broad way of answering that. Part of that depends mm -hmm. on the setting for service delivery. Some speech paths, mm -hmm. there are you know, specific constraints for um, how long, of course, some people work in blocks, for example, so that mm -hmm. more students can receive the opportunity of having therapy. And um, it can get complex when it gets into sort of systems of delivery that way. Um, ideally though, it's, you know, when those goals are set, the progress towards those goals, are we meeting those, meeting those goals more of the time? And, mm -hmm. you know, what would be the next step? Where are we going with the mm -hmm. next step in that? Mm -hmm. Part of my own practice too, is a lot of self-rating scales. So mm -hmm. a person's own subjectivity, their own subjective mm -hmm. point of view on, their skill set mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. their progress because uh, uh, you know from the inside out is really how we um, build the quality of our lives is what am I bringing to mm -hmm. this and how do I feel about mm -hmm. what I'm bringing to this mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. so than um, you know an external validation or an external um, reward it's got to come from the inside out and so really leaning into the conversations that indicate indicate um, ease indicate success indicate um, mm -hmm. accuracy according to that mm -hmm. person's own point of view and and the broader application mm -hmm. of those skills in their relationships so mm -hmm. you know speech and language is very um, bottom up and top down meaning um, we've got the nuts and bolts of the mechanics of speech production, the mechanics of swallowing, uh, the mechanics of acoustics, and you know how we use those to build vocabulary and sentence structure and complex mm -hmm. sentences and put those together mm -hmm. into narratives and conversations. But then we've also got the top down, which is again, what's my purpose here? What are my hopes and dreams for this conversation? Mm -hmm. What are my hopes and dreams for this mm -hmm. relationship? And mm -hmm. Right. And so then then we're, we're applying those nuts and bolts skills to the, the arc, as you used in the in your in mm -hmm. your question, to the bigger picture, the bigger purpose mm -hmm. and, and intention. Sure. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. And, um, you know, it's partly the way I work as well. And, 
you bring in a really great point of healing from the inside out. And so many times, you know, I get frustrated with the rehabilitation uh, field and the some of the therapist, therapists out there where it's so external, learning a, a splinter skill or a certain outer technique, and they're not looking at it from a developmental point of view or a holistic perspective. Mm -hmm. And also self-awareness and self-discovery, <clears throat> where you get people to start becoming aware through a, you know, a checklist or however you're doing it. Um, that's so important because how are they going to know there's changes if they're not, you know, reflecting on themselves and where they want to go and what they want to do. So it's, um, it's, it's a, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on to the summit because it is very much in line with how I think about things when I'm helping people with their vision. And, uh, so it's, it's really great to, to hear somebody out there like you doing that. Mm -hmm. So I just want to uh, say to my audience, this is Lisa Diamond. She's a speech language, language pathologist, and she is a featured speaker at our coming Whole Health Summit. So now we're going to get into Q&A. And mm -hmm. some of my listeners and followers have sent you some questions. <laughs> this is going to be fun. And mm -hmm. uh, so the first question is actually from a mom who I work with in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Her name is Debbie, and she has an eight-year-old Asperger's boy named Drew. I know Drew, worked with him. And she says, I have been told that I am very emotional about my son and his condition. Lisa, how do you think my emotional health affects Drew? Oh, that's a beautiful question. Remind me, Sam, how old is Drew? He is eight years old. He's been diagnosed with Asperger's and, mm -hmm. um, you know, he's got some developmental delays going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what's mom's name? Debbie. Or, Debbie, Debbie. Yes. It, I love Debbie's question because she really is dialing into the experience of co-regulation so to speak, or, or um, another way of saying that is her own emotions in, in the field with her son and how, you know, this dance that's happening. So, so when we are communicating to, to communicate in a way that, that helps us feel like we're communicating in a way that brings our nervous system to a place of, of rest or in a zone of rest, impacts the people that we're communicating, our communication partners, right? And so, and so Debbie's question is, could you repeat her question for me specifically? Yeah, she, she she's, makes a comment. I have been told that I am very emotional about my son and his diagnosis. How do you think my emotional health affects Drew? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Debbie's emotional health is part of what Drew would be um, picking up on, so to speak. It's part of this, mm -hmm. this co-regulation dynamic. Mm -hmm. So the more Debbie can notice what she's noticing in herself and the more the more Debbie can use her own strategies 
again, from the inside out, the more that will have a regulatory impact on Drew as well. Does oh, that make sense? Great. Yeah, that's going to be really helpful to her. And I kind of think it validates what I've said to her and others. Uh, so that's really great uh, feedback for, for her. So um, great. Sam, I think one more oh, thing. Okay. okay, sure. Well, fundamentally, you know, fundamentally, the, the outward perspective of, of course, this incredible care and concern for Drew and compassion for Drew and how, how um, am I impacting Drew is, is sort of the tip of the iceberg. Right. Mm -hmm. That's 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 the external reflection mm -hmm. of what could be going on for Debbie. So to to just pause for a moment for Debbie to just pause for a moment and give herself the compassion and the self-love to bring mm -hmm. her perspective back inside. And before looking at the impact on Drew, look at the impact, uh, the impact on herself. And that's where, you know, learning some strategies or, or taking a path of learning to um, figure out what it is for Debbie's own self that helps her mm. soothe and calm her nervous system. Mm. And then think about the reflection that will come back through Drew. Does that make sense? Got it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That's great. Okay, we're going to move to our next question. This is Chelsea from London, England, from the UK. And so she's been following me for a while, and um, I told her about you. So this is Chelsea. I'm quoting. I saw one of your posts, your posts. You talked about how we are creatures of attachment. And it gets formed in early child development. Chelsea goes on, she says, I mean, I'm an adult now, but I was a premature baby, spent two weeks in an incubator before I could bond with my mom. What, how do you think this has affected me? Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah, that's a big question. It is a big question. And I really thank Chelsea for noticing that information mm -hmm. out there and, and taking it inside and, and wondering about that. Um, certainly again, this is, this is a very broad, um, topic, um, to, I, I would really offer at the outset that, that there have been two very influential teachers in my life. And of course, Chelsea can contact me. Of course, Debbie can contact me too, if they want further conversation about their questions. Um, but I do want to mention Myrna Martins, who is mm -hmm. a, um, I know her. You know her? Yeah, she's yeah. in BC and she's just a marvelous, um, she's a family therapist. Um, she integrates a lot mm -hmm. of somatics. And what, I, what I've learned most through Myrna is the pre and perinatal psychology piece. Oh yeah. So, right? Like the, it mm -hmm. is, it's, it's huge. What is happening in the womb? And, mm -hmm. um, you know, the experience of the mother becoming the experience of the child in the womb depending on right depending on the mother's reactions to all kinds of things and and mm. um, what that child inside sits with and then once the child is out of the room i would also really credit the work of dr gordon newfeld who is a psychologist mm -hmm. in vancouver bc and mm. he um 
you know, a lot of people talk about attachment, attachment styles, but Dr. Neufeld has a way of, he's synthesized, I don't know, 40 plus years of clinical experience and all the theory that's out there into his own um, um, characterization of the roots of attachment um, from, from birth to six, how when those roots of attachment are really well formed or when we get to develop those roots of attachment, we can actually come to rest in our relationships, learn to play. And then from there we emerge as, you know, adaptive, integrative um, adults in the world. So back to Chelsea's question and, and how that early experience impacted her. It's, you know, there's a very, there are many, many, many factors that would have to come into a conversation about that, certainly. So only to say oh. it's worth, it, it's yeah. worth understanding. It's worth understanding that yeah. for her. Absolutely. There's just so much around the bonding, you know, at that, at that mm -hmm. stage, especially mm -hmm. when the newborn is so bonded with mom and there's oxytocin that's produced and there's all kinds of hormones that are being, you know, energetically exchanged. So um, I'm sure Chelsea will be contacting you because it's, it is a big imprint that probably is affecting her relationally. Yeah. No. Well, and, and given that early time, you know, that birth, birth to one is the time where we, you know, we have, we gain our attachment through um, proximity, right, through mm -hmm. hearing the sound of our caregivers, mm -hmm. from seeing our caregivers mm -hmm. see us, from mm -hmm. smelling them, from, you mm -hmm. know, feeling their touch on us. And so to mm -hmm. have the absence of that um, is something to consider at that point mm -hmm. in time right Thank and you. then how yes. do we move forward given that self-understanding so we're here with lisa diamond she's a speech and language pathologist and she's going to be one of my featured speakers at the whole health summit so we're coming down to the end of our time today it's just flown by we're going to do one more question and this is from julie who lives in the Bay Area of San Francisco. And she's asking you, what is the difference between a sensation and an emotion? Oh, I like Julie's question too. Hmm, I would say, and there may be, there may be many different points of view on this. So let me say that first. Uh, in my mind, a sensation can come from you know any of our body systems first of all and that sensation can drive us to an emotion emotion as in to move the energy of that sure. sensation and then from there i think julie's julie's question lends itself well to sort of the next part of wondering which is the meaning that we give that movement of energy that comes from the sensation namely mm -hmm. a feeling and that's where sure. language is the picture exactly right, right. and then moreover yeah. from that how we use that language to, to name the mm -hmm. feeling that might be coming from the emotion that came from the sensation mm -hmm. and speaking that into conversation 
with the people that we're with. So we've got mm. a way of naming our experience and sharing that with another person through language that, that, I mean, there's incredible work out there on emotions. Um, Lisa Feldman Barrett, Barrett is somebody who comes to mind where, mm. you know, when we really understand that we might all experience categories of emotions very differently it allows us to get very curious about what somebody is experiencing on the level of feeling and emotion and sensation without making assumptions that how I experience a sensation and the meaning that I give it would be the same mm -hmm. as anybody else. And so in relationship, when we allow ourselves to speak that, allow whatever level of vulnerability um, is tolerable or can be cultivated in that relationship to use our language, to express that part of ourselves as well. There's an incredible um, trust that can flow from that and a, and a very deep way of being seen and heard mm -hmm. when we can mm -hmm. um, use language, apply language in that way. Starting mm -hmm. going right back to sensation. Right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Uh, so Lisa, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, give us your contact info. Right now, people can get in touch with me with it's my basic email address, which is my full name, Lisa mm -hmm. Diamond, L-I-S-A-D-Y-M-O-N-D, and then the letters S-L-P for speech language pathologist at gmail.com. That's the best way to get in touch with okay. me right now. Okay. There's they can also go to Instagram and it's Lisa Diamond Speech Pathologist on Instagram and send me a direct mm -hmm. message there as well. That's another way. Great. Okay, I know people will. So I wanna thank you so much for joining us today and I look forward to hearing your presentation, listening to you at our uh, health summit. And um, I wish you the very best. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for the opportunity and the invitation and it's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something from the iClarity podcast show today. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave a review. See you here next time. <laughs>